Alright, Judges chapter 12 tonight. Judges chapter 12. We are more than halfway through the book of Judges. And we're going to add another three names to the list tonight. Okay, I'm not going to challenge anybody to do all the names just yet. But I am going to do, do a challenge next week. And I'm thinking about like getting some kind of, at the end, because I know y'all are going to want to give up after this week. Y'all wanted to give up after last week. We added kind of the two random names. We're going to add three real random names in this week. Next week, we'll be after that, we'll be getting to Samson. But um, I, I think I'm going to like get some kind of prize for any of the kids, at least, that can say all the names of the judges. But uh, we're going to add three names, Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon. Now, good luck remember those, all right? We can all remember Elon, Elon Musk, all right? That's a popular name now. But Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon, they're going to get added on there. So uh, we'll go ahead and say all these together. Just get it in your head. We have Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon. Now, next week will be your chance to impress somebody if you can say all those names, I will put it out there and I doubt too many people will be able to do that. So, uh, if you want to look smart, just there's some homework for you memorize those names. So this chapter in chapter 12, it picks up right where the other one left off. We talked about Jephthah, his victory against the Ammonites. We saw the sad story where, uh, you know, he ends up offering up his daughter as a sacrifice and it was, it was brought to my attention after church. I meant to cover this. There is an alternative theory out there that when uh, he basically sacrificed his daughter, that it wasn't like a literal sacrifice where he killed her, but it was in something where he like gave her to the service of the Lord and therefore she had to remain a virgin for the rest of her life, which is definitely better than him just killing her. But, but at the same time too, um, and there is some precedent for that uh, from uh, what we see in the law, but... Um, I, I think we're just, you know, in, in my opinion, it looks like people are just trying to not be just horrified by that story. But there's just a lot of horrible stories in Judges. And so, uh, again, it's, you know, e- e- either way, I don't have a problem if somebody feels that's the way it went. But no matter how you spin anything, we are seeing one bad thing after another happen in the book of Judges. And I'm telling you, this, one of the purposes of this book is it's chronicling Israel's transgressions and letting us know why they were in so much trouble with God. Most of these stories are focused on the negative. And even in the positive stories, all it is is God delivering them because they called on Him you know, after they got in big trouble again. So Judges is a very depressing book. This is a very depressing time in their history. A lot of wickedness went on and it's really sad considering, you know, historically it wasn't that long before that God did this great miracle, delivering them out of Egypt, giving them the land that He promised, doing a great work during the days of Joshua. So this really is sad. But uh, we need, so something we need to keep in mind, though, about everything we've seen taking place is Israel has this pattern of finding themselves in turmoil because of their sins. And while they hate the problems that they have as a result of their sins, we just don't see them truly repent and turn to God. We see them get upset about the turmoil that they're in. We see them getting upset when they're being ruled by oppressors, but we don't really see them truly saying, you know what? 
We are here because we deserve to be here. Unfortunately, we don't see too many examples in Israel's history of like a real repentance, even though there are some. And, and in the book of Judges, we haven't seen anything yet where there's like, I mean, where people are like, hey, this is what we did wrong. And this is why we're suffering the way we are. We do see some examples of that when we get into the kings. Josiah is a good example of that. He's somebody who recognized why they were in the mess that they were in. And Josiah even recognized why judgment was coming for them. Josiah understood exactly what was going to happen. He got a hold of that. Daniel is another one. Daniel chapter 9. He is literally confessing the sins of Israel and even is laying out how exactly what God said would happen to them had happened to them. And, he's at, and he realizes more judgment is still to come, but he's asking God for mercy. I mean, and, and uh, we see Ezra. Ezra makes a great prayer in the book of Ezra where he is laying out the sins of Israel, confessing the sins of their fathers. And that's always a very important thing. And we're not really seeing that with Israel. So what we are seeing, though, is when Israel cries out, how God in his grace and love and mercy would feel sorry for them and God would deliver them. Even after he said, I will deliver you no more, it grieved God seeing Israel sin. And you know what? I was actually listening to a song this week. I was listening to a song that I really like. I hadn't heard in a long time. And it reminded me of that passage where how God was grieved when he saw the suffering of Israel. And it was like the Lord spoke to me. It's like, you know what? You did not do a very good job preaching that verse right there. I mean, I, I, I felt like the Lord felt like I did a good job on chronicling the details. But there's a great message in that right there that I didn't really cover. And so I think I'm going to preach again on that pretty soon because it was it was just one of those deals where it was like I was listening to that song and I was reminded of a truth from that passage and, you know, I did, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me you're preaching on that passage again. So don't worry, I'm not going to like repeat the whole message, but I am going to focus on that because there is a great truth everyone needs to get a hold of in there. So be ready for another message, uh, from judges, um, on a Sunday. I've just got like a whole list of things I'm wanting to preach right now, but uh, I got sidetracked there as far as where I was going. But yeah, so God saw all that was going on. And so this is all these good times Israel's having is God being merciful. And of course, and, and it reminds me of where we are at in our country today, our country right now, we are suffering severe symptoms of a very, of some very deep problems. Israel, they were suffering the symptoms of forgetting God of not following God's law of, you know, only the partial obedience they had done. They hadn't driven the Canaanites out of the land. And so as a result of all their disobedience, they had these terrible symptoms. And that was, you know, I, you know, the idolatry dealing with, uh, you know, these foreigners or these, you know, these other nations messing with them, oppressors. And while they did not like the symptoms, they never wanted to like fix the cause. And that's where we're at in our country today. Our country today hates the fact, and our country today is in grief over the fact that we constantly have things like school shootings, mass shootings. You know, they're, they're sick of that. Our country is grieving over the fact that we've got so much just perversion, molestation, 
all these things, our country, but the thing is, all of these are symptoms of a bigger problem, and nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about maybe one of the reasons we're shooting everybody is we're teaching everybody survival of the fittest in our public schools. Maybe one of the reasons we have no morality, maybe the one reason we're having all these teenage pregnancies in schools, maybe the reason we're having all this perversion, molestation, is because we've gotten away from biblical morality. Maybe one of the reasons, too, we're having all the crime that we're having is because we've quit punishing the way the Bible says to punish. And we're actually criticizing people who says, hey, maybe we should go back to what God said when it comes to dealing with crimes. You know, we're, we, get, we get criticized for that kind of thing. And so everybody hates symptoms, but nobody ever wants to get to the cause. And, we're, and so I want to go through this chapter and then just kind of preach a short message on that subject because all these things we're seeing, all these things we've been seeing, they are, they're just kind of symptoms. And Israel never liked those things. They wanted them to go away, but they never actually fixed the problem. And so verse uh, 1 says, And the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and said unto Jephthah, Wherefore passed thou over to fight against the children of Ammon and didst not call us to go with thee? We will burn thine house upon thee with fire. And this might remind you of what happened after Gideon defeated the Midianites. Remember how the other people, they came over and they're like, why didn't you, t- why didn't you let us participate in this? Now, you would think that the Ephraimites would have just been glad that their enemies have been defeated. But that's not, that didn't make them happy. You know why? Because one of the biggest motivations for war has always been the spoils. It's always been one of the biggest motivations. Everybody always tell you, our politician always tells us it's about national defense. It's about protect, it's about fighting them over there so we don't have to fight them over here. And if, and if that doesn't convince you, it's all for Israel. And then, you know, all right, let's go, you know, let's go attack them. That's, that's how, that's how they got me back. Iraq, you know, back in the day, uh, that, that's, that was one of the things that got me on board. But at the end of the day, we know now looking back in history, it was about the oil. That's, that's what it was really about. It was about the oil. It's about the spoils of war. And so that's what's going on here. And they're mad at Jephthah and wanting to kill him. And so in verse two, Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon. And when I called you, ye delivered me not out of their hands. And when I saw that ye delivered me not, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon. And the Lord delivered them into my hand. Wherefore then are ye come up unto me this day to fight against me? So he said, hey, these, these people, they were giving us a lot of trouble. They were a great cause of grief for us. I called on you to help us with them. You didn't do anything. So you know what? We went and we took care of things ourselves. And now you're going to come fight me for it? And so, and they were... You know, having a problem too because they crossed Jordan. And if, if you remember going back to the book of Joshua, there were uh, some of the tribes that uh, they had possessed part of the land on the other side of Jordan. And so they're like, you know, you're kind of fighting these people on our turf. You know, and so it was, it was just kind of an insult to them that they just went past them and, you know, defeated this army without calling on them. But at the same time, you know, why would Jephthah think they would help? They didn't try helping in the past. And the truth is, in this story here and in the story with Gideon and the Midianites, notice how these people are always mad after the battles won, where most of these people probably wouldn't have even wanted to fight the battle because they wouldn't have expected a victory. 
But in both of these stories, it was God that gave the victory. And now all of a sudden you got other people wanting to come along. It's like, hey, we want some of the spoils of war. We want some of the benefits of war. And this is just Ephraim being greedy is all there is to it. Ephraim is just being greedy. And so it says in verse four, then Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead smote Ephraim because they said, ye Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassehites. So now we literally have basically a civil war going on in Israel, which is another sign of how bad off they were as a nation. That's, that's a bad sign when people within a nation, especially people too, who were literally brethren, not like America where we're all like a melting pot, but a nation where they were literally all brethren, where they all were supposed to be serving the same God. They're at war with each other. And this was a shameful time. This was not a good thing. And it's like, you know, one of our shameful times in history, you know, the, during the civil war, when you've got the North and the South fighting each other. And listen, when people, you know, they get mad at me when I say things against the civil war, I am not for slavery. Okay. I don't think slavery is ever a good thing. I think we're still suffering in our country as a result of slavery. You know, as a result of slavery, you know, I'm a slave today and I'm paying welfare to a bunch of people who don't want to work. And so, you know, this is, you know, we're suffering because of the sins of our forefathers and that, you know, I'm not complaining about it, but not, not right now. I'm not complaining about it, but I do complain about it sometimes. But, but either way you look at it, you know, when your solution to problems that you ought to be able to work out, okay, it should have been easy to just work it out amongst the, you know, just like let states do what they want to do, you know, but they never can do that because the states that did the right thing, you know, would have probably succeeded. And, you know, the ones that fail, you know, that didn't would have failed. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into all the politics of all that, but when, your solution and the way you fix these things is just hundreds of thousands of people dying. That's pretty sad. We ought to be able to find better ways to solve our problems than us just wiping out a ton of people. And understand, too, it wasn't just soldiers that died in the Civil War. I mean, a lot of people, women and children, died in different things. A lot of things destroyed. It was, it's, a very, it's a time that we ought to look back on and be ashamed of. We ought to be ashamed of the fact that some of the stuff was going on with slavery the way it was going on. But then, too... We ought to be ashamed that, you know, it took a horrible, bloody war to get, you know, to uh, get rid of the slavery. And then we ought to be ashamed at the fact of how we lost states' rights as a result of that, too. So, you know, we all have shameful times in our history. And this is a shameful time in Israel's history. And the fact that they're fighting with each other like this is proof of that. And so it says in verse 5, And the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan... Before the Ephraimites, and it was so that when those Ephraimites, which were escaped, said, Let me go over, that the men of Gilead said unto him, Art thou an Ephraimite? If he said, Nay, then said they unto him, Say now Shibboleth. And he said, Sibboleth, for he could not frame to pronounce it right. And they took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan. And there fell at that time of the Ephraimites forty and two Thousands. So the Ephraimites lost big time as a result of this. 42,000 of them died. And this is tragic. And these are, you know, while the Gileadites were victorious, it's their brethren that they wiped out. And, and the Ephraimites, they were in the wrong on this story. And I like this story too because it shows, too, this is just a reminder how people in different areas talk different. You know, 
And have you, I do these things a lot of times too, where they'll figure out what part of the country you're from just by certain words and things you use. And I hate, I don't want to ever be stereotyped about anything, but I'm always getting stereotyped as a Midwesterner all the time, just by phrase, you know, words that I use, phrases I say, and uh, these things are always identifying where I'm from based on my terminology. And we have that. We have Southern accents and, you know, in, you know, other countries have other accents and, you know, if they ha- if they're a different color than us, we're not allowed to imitate it. Uh, but at the same time too, people from other cultures talk different, don't they? I remember years ago um, when OJ was on trial, I remember that was a big thing. We were all watching that. And uh, one of the people was testifying and the guy said, you know, it sounded like a black man talking. And I remember Johnny Cochran, he's like, what do you mean sounded like a black man talking? It's like, uh, yeah, there's typically a way, <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not racist, but you know, we do, we identify ourselves with the way that we speak. And so they were able to tell if this guy was an Ephraimite by how he pronounced the word. And then they, you know, they would kill him. And so, uh, interesting story there. But anyway, verse eight goes on and it says, and after him, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. And he had 30 sons and 30 daughters whom he sent abroad and took in, uh, and took in 30 daughters from abroad for his sons. And he judged Israel seven years. And so it, what it probably looks like here, well, the Bible does not say much about this guy. Okay. I mean, obviously 30 sons and 30 daughters. That's pretty good. Uh, but then too, he used all, all of them and they would travel abroad. So basically what this guy probably was doing to kind of keep the peace in Israel during this time, he had his 60 children basically patrolling Israel. You know what you could probably say they were doing is just kind of policing things. Now, here's the thing we've got to understand about policing things is when you have to police things, that also is the sign that we've got a problem. I'm not saying I'm against police. I'm not a, I'm not a defund the police guy. You know, because first off, we have so many problems in our country that obviously I think if things, if we did have a righteous society, we wouldn't need police like we do today, especially them out patrolling and stuff. But at the same time, you know, the last thing we need to do is get rid of police when we've got like 50 other things dead wrong in our culture, you know, and it's all the things that are wrong in our culture that cause us to need police patrolling things. And so we'll, we'll, we'll sit, we might say more about that in a little bit, but let's go, go ahead and read a little bit more. So it says in verse 10, then died Ibzan and was buried at Bethlehem. And after him, Elon, a Zebulonite, judged Israel and he judged Israel 10 years. And Elon, the Zebulonite, died and was buried in Agilon, the country of Zebulun. And after him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, a Pyrethonite, judged Israel and he had 40 sons and 30 nephews that rode upon three score and ten ass colts, and he judged Israel eight years. So, 40 sons and 30 nephews, which is actually grandsons. That's how they, uh, the word was used in 1611. And so, he used all of them to basically judge Israel. And so, what it appears from reading this, because the Bible doesn't give us any stories about any of the battles or anything that took place, but basically, it, it appears that they were just kind of patrolling and policing things and kind of keeping the peace in Israel. 
and just keeping, making sure everything was good. So verse 15 says, And Abdon, the son of Hill of the Pyrethonite, died and was buried in Pyrethon in the hand of Ephraim in the mount of the Amalekites. And so right here with these three judges, we have 25 years that have passed where it would seem that things remain mostly calm thanks to judges keeping a close eye on things. But what we need to understand is when we have a need for a police force, when you have the need for someone to just be constantly watching things for, in order to get people to behave, it shows you have a deeper problem. And if you do not fix that problem, what's going to eventually happen is the people are going to learn how to work around that evil without the police seeing it. Okay? For, so, for, you know, they're going to learn the, you know, ways to adapt. You understand that? So basically like today, in our country, we understand that there's certain due process, right? And there's people who they know how the laws work on that really well. And they just make sure that they do, th you know, they're doing things they know they're not supposed to do. But at the same time, too, nothing's really going to get done because, you know, police, they're not allowed to just go from house to house checking to see if you're breaking laws. Right. And so, you know, either way you look at it, um, you know, all these things that they're that they're doing, you know, if people are have it in their heart to do evil, you know what, they're going to find a way to do evil. And what we see in the Bible is God, when he would give their, his law, and we're going to go through some examples of this on how to deal with things, the goal was always to put evil away from among you. And that is not how we do things in our country today. It's almost as if we need crime going on so we can, you know, you know for the, support the prison industrial complex, just like we need war in our country. And these are not good things. But uh, what we're so what we're seeing here is a sign. I'm going to I'm going to show you some examples of this that Israel had a major heart problem. Now next week we're going to see, start the story of Samson and his battle with the Philistines. And the Philistines, there's somebody that's going to cause problems with Israel for just decades and decades. But I want you to notice just the first verse in the next chapter. Look at Judges 13:1. Says, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. So after Jephthah, after we have twenty-five years of these guys where things are relatively peaceful while they're policing things, just understand though that Israel still had a sin problem that they hadn't fixed. So when God delivers Israel into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. This was judgment. This was judgment because of years of disobeying God. For years of forgetting the Lord. Not following His commandments. And so, what we need to understand when it comes to what was going on with Israel, and I want us to make life application on this, is Israel, they, did, they had a problem. They had this thing where they hated certain symptoms of their problem. They hated the pain that came from their sin but they loved their sin and they never wanted to repent of it. And it's kind of like today, you know, for example, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking an aspirin to help with a headache. But the truth is, wouldn't it be better if you could figure out why you're having headaches and fix that problem? Okay. Now, I, you know, I know some people have weird health things and stuff they can't really help. But, you know, me, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm pretty healthy. 
And I occasionally get headaches. And, and I will say this. I think I've had like one headache this year. And I think the reason for that is because I haven't been drinking caffeine and soda. But when I start having headaches, it's usually caffeine related. And, and so I usually know when a headache's coming. I usually know what causes it. I usually know how to get rid of it. And sometimes I do. I'll take the aspirin to get rid of that symptom, the pain in the head. But then you know what I don't do? I don't just keep chugging the caffeine. You know what I do? I clean myself out. I start drinking a bunch of water. I go off the soda. And then I'm fine. And I don't have to keep taking aspirin. Now, the truth, because, but the truth is, most people in America today, when they have a symptom of a problem, you know what they do? They just keep taking the pill. Well, then I can have my caffeine, you know, and not have the headaches. And so what do they do? They just, just take aspirin all the time. Well, you know what? If you keep doing that, eventually you're going to have problems for that. You don't want to be dependent on painkillers. You don't want to be dependent on medication. And we have a bad problem in this country where we are, where people today, all they, they want to go to a doctor and they don't want them to tell you, you need to start going on a diet, you need to exercise, you know, eating healthy, all this kind of stuff. They don't want to hear that. You know what they want? Give me a pill so I don't have this symptom. So I don't have this pain. Whatever it is they're dealing with, you know, whether, you know, if they're having an emotional problem, if they're having, and I'm not saying all emotional problems are, you know, lifestyle related and all that kind of thing, but sometimes they are. You know, if you are, if you're living a life full of sin, if you're cheating on your wife, if you're doing, you know, this sin, another sin, you know, if you're watching horror movies all the time, you know, you're probably going to have some mental issues. You're probably going to be struggling with guilt. You're probably going to deal with some depression. You're going to feel bad about that stuff. And what most people want to do today when they start feeling bad about something, instead of repenting and fixing whatever's wrong in their life, what do they do? I'm going to go get some medication that, I'll, that just makes me feel good. But folks, you can't live on that stuff. And you know what's been going on with Israel? Israel has just been living on these temporary fixes where God is being merciful to them, God's being gracious to them, and God is relieving the pain that's going on during that time, hoping that they will actually repent and turn back to the Lord and start following Him. But what do they do? As soon as God relieves the pain, oh, we're all good now. Our enemy's gone. And then what do they do? They go right back to sinning again. They just go right back to sinning. And, it's, and that's kind of how we are in our country. And, that is, and a good percentage of Americans today are completely dependent on medications and you know what? Most of these people are typically the most unhealthy people in the world. And you don't want to be dependent on medication. And you know what? A lot of doctors, I think they want it that way. Because you know what they say? A patient cured is a customer lost. Last thing they want to do is just may actually make you better. But you know what? We need to learn to figure out what the cause is. And I'm not a doctor. Don't come to me with your medical problems. I'm not a doctor, but it's good. It's best to find out what's wrong and get that fixed. And you know, you know, I've gone to Brother Eric before because I've had pains, you know, in my back. And then, you know, and then he'll, you know, he'll do his thing on me. And it turns out I've got a problem more in my chest or my rib. And these things are all connected. But it's like my pain was back here. But he's like, yeah, but no, your problem's here. I didn't know that. You know, and, and so sometimes you do. You have to go somewhere or to go to someone who can actually figure out where the problem is. Because we're not good at diagnosing those things. I talked about Sunday how I self-diagnosed myself when I had appendicitis. I got the wrong diagnosis. And I did something that actually made things worse. And we got we to watch out for that kind of thing. 
find out what's wrong, and fix that. And so I believe also, too, when it comes to raising kids, when it comes to your family, I believe that it is biblical. I believe that it is right to spank your child when they are being rebellious. But you know what? As a parent, we ought to take the time, too, to figure out what's causing your child to be rebellious. That's another important thing. See, as Baptists, we tend to heavily emphasize the things that society rejects about the Bible. And this often causes people to become just over the top in one area. And some Christians, parents, their only method of training is spanking. That's it. You know, which by itself, did you know that by itself will not get the job done? But because our twisted, sick world today says it's wrong to spank your kids, as Christians, what do we do? Our response, just spank for absolutely everything. And that's all, that's all we do. But no, that's definitely one of many things you need to do. And, and for sure, do it. But at the same time too, you know, if your kid's 18 years old and he still needs spanked, something's wrong. You know, so you're, you're going wrong somewhere. You know, and you need to figure out what's actually wrong. And spanking alone isn't going to take care of everything. You know, Psalms 32.8 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. You know what? This right here, this implies a relationship. Parents, you know, good parents, they're usually able to get their kids' attention and send a pretty strong message with a look. And, you know, kids do. They see that look. I've seen parents do. I've seen with my kids. You do. You just give them a look, and man, they look freaked out. And it's just like you know, and you know, and I mean, you threaten them literally. You just gave them a look, and that was a threat. And those kids knew exactly what you're threatening, threatening, and they can tell if you're serious or not. Hey, you know what you're doing? You're guiding them with your eye. And now, obviously, you're not going to be able to do that kind of thing without there at some point being some communication, you know, and, and some instructions. And some parents, man, they are, it's just all, I mean, you know, you've got these parents, their kids are like three months old and they're spanking the fire out of them and stuff. And it's just like, what is wrong with you? Okay. First off, how do you communicate, you know, to, but it's like, no, spanking Bible says early and, you know, and I'm not doing a message all on that today, but just understand you do need to learn to communicate. You need to learn to find out what's going on. You need to actually Know your child. And if your child is being rebellious, you got to understand there's usually things that cause rebellion. I understand some things are just natural. I understand that foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction drives it far from him. But you know what? We've got a lot of parents today, they're spanking their kids, but they're also allowing their kids to watch a bunch of filth on television that's promoting rebellion. You're spanking your kids, but you're also letting them listen to rap music. That's also promoting rebellion and rock music that's promoting rebellion. I mean, all these things promote rebellion. And it, but you think because you're spanking your kids, they're not going to be rebellious. Listen, they're going to be rebellious if you're letting them take in all that junk. And it is, it's like if I'm getting, if I'm getting sick, if I'm having health problems because of food that I'm eating, because of something that I'm drinking, me just going and taking a pill to counteract that while it might give me a temporary solution or, you know, or relief for one day, if I'm continuing to take the junk in, eventually that's not going to do anything. 
And your spanking is not going to do anything if you're letting your kids continue to just watch filth and things that promote rebellion. It's not going to do a bit of good, but a lot of people, they never figure that out. It's like, I don't understand. I spanked my kid. Okay, but some, you know what some parents need to do? They need to go and sometimes maybe go search their kid's room. I, I remember uh, I've, I've got a family member. Uh, my, uh, my uncle, he tells a story about how one of his kids one time was kind of going through a rebellious phase in his life. And so he went and to his room one day and started just searching through his stuff. So parents, you don't have the right to do that kind of thing. Uh, it's your house. You do have a right to search their stuff. Okay? Let me, let me just put it out there, parents. You have the right to search your kid's room. And so, you know, his dad's just like, you know, what are you looking for? Or his son came in and is like, Dad, what are you doing? What are you looking for? He's like, I'm trying to figure out what's causing your rebellion. And he's just like, you know, you know what do you expect to find? You know, he's, he's like, I don't know but I'll know it when I see it. And, you know, I think that's a good thing to do. Something was affecting his attitude and he was determined, I'm going to figure out what this is. Might be a friend, might be somebody that they're hanging around. You know, sometimes they get around, if they're hanging around bad people, they're getting around bad influences, it's going to have a very serious effect. And if you don't deal with that, I don't care how many times you spank them, they're going to continue having problems. You know, it's just like your body, it gets to where it doesn't even react to the medication anymore. Kids can get where they don't even care about the spanking anymore. That pain will go away pretty quick. And But what you're supposed to do is get that rebellion out of their heart. And so understand, when your kids are teenagers, if you're just, if you're just still having to spank them every day, it's because you're doing something wrong. Okay, you did something wrong in the spanking. Okay, you, you can just spank them every day if you want to. But eventually, they're just going to get used to it, learn how to take it. And you've got to find out what's causing the rebellion. Something is causing that. But most people aren't trying to look, you know, look for that today. Proverbs 1.8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. You've got to communicate. Proverbs 4.1, Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. And so I say all this to just tell you when it comes to your family, when it comes to raising your kids, when you are having symptoms like rebellion, like bad behavior, you can't just do one thing that can, you know, again, because spanking the kids, that'll, that can temporarily get them being good. But I want them permanently being good. I don't want to have to keep spanking my kids. I get it. You know, you're bad in church. You get spanked, right? And so punishment's been administered. The world is balanced. Everything's all good, right? But you know, I actually would prefer to get to where I just don't have to do that. I like to get my kids to eventually just be being good in church. And same thing too, in, if you're having marriage problems, if certain things are wrong in your marriage, there's going to be symptoms. There's going to be fighting. There's going to be more arguing. There's going to be, all, there's, you know, all these things are usually symptoms of a bigger problem. You know what you need to do? You need to figure out what's causing this problem. And maybe it is. Maybe it's, you're not spending enough time together. You know, who, who knows? It, it could be a lot of different things, but never just do something to deal with the symptom. Find out what's causing the problem in the first place and deal with that. In our nation, 
We have many areas where we are. We are only treating symptoms, but we're doing nothing to fix the problem. And when it comes to the crime, you know what we do in our country today? I mean, it's gotten to the point where we do. We just, we're treating symptoms of a bigger problem. You want to know how, whenever you hear any, pretty much anybody these days, when they talk about lowering the crime rate, you want to know what the most effective tool is that they've come up with to lower crime rate? Just make certain things not crimes anymore. And typically, too, when you hear politicians, since I took office, we lowered the crime rate by 40%. Yeah, it's because you made 60% of things not a crime anymore. So in reality, bad stuff has gotten worse. Things have gotten worse in this area since you took over. And that's what, that's what we're seeing today. You know, the, you know, when you look at you know, the police brutality stuff, and I'm against police brutality, but did you know that, too, is a symptom of a bigger problem? Because, again, look at what these police deal with every day. You know, watch these videos on the Internet of some of the stuff that's going on in these cities. I just saw this one video. Pretty sure it was a dude dressed like a girl. I mean, they were high on something. And they were acting crazy. And they're like just like yelling at these people in this restaurant, like trying to pick a fight with them. It was definitely a dude in a dress. I'm like, if that dude would have approached me, I'd have knocked him out and everybody would have said I punched a girl. But it would have been a dude. But then, while he's like, he's like yelling at everybody, trying to pick a fight, and all of a sudden he starts listening to the music and just starts like dancing to it. It was weird. It was weird. Imagine if you're a cop and you're getting called out to deal with stuff like that. Do you realize people like that, that individual, whoever it was, it will never, ever contribute anything good to society and will continue to cause problems. And you know what they're going to do about it? Nothing. Nothing. You know, if, if that person would have done what needed to be done and knocked them on their backside, they'd have probably gone to jail. When I was in Washington, D.C. a couple years ago, we were, uh, we were walking through this one area, and there's this drunk or high dude just walking down the street, like just yelling at these cops, just being crazy, belligerent, just like scream at these cops and they're all just standing there just ignoring like nothing's going on. I mean, this guy is acting crazy and I'm thinking somebody go take care of that dude. But you know what? They're not allowed to do anything anymore to these people. And so what do we do? People have to live in cities where they've got to let people squat in their houses, where they've got these homeless camps all over the place. I mean, people are out there on the streets doing drugs doing perverted things. I mean, folks, the, just the, the public nudity that's going on in some of these places with these, these high, strung out people. When we were in Florida, I saw something like that right by our hotel where we were at. I mean, just public nudity by somebody clearly on drugs. And it's just like, and nothing's happening. Nobody's doing anything about it. And folks, this stuff is getting worse and worse and these are symptoms of a huge problem and and you know and we'll get to that in a little bit but we see you know the immorality the perversion all these people coming out lgbtq and all that std all that stuff you know you have you know you have the furries and litter boxes in schools and all that nonsense okay you know we've got you know and you know what adding police and the Republican solution is we just need more police. Well, I mean, 
I agree some policing needs to be done if we're not going to deal with all these things. For example, you know, if I do, if I've got a broken leg and we are not going to fix my leg, then bring on the morphine. Okay. I mean, at least then I'm not going to be like in total agony and I can get some relief. But you know what? Instead of me just becoming dependent on morphine and needed a bigger, bigger dose all the time, how about we fix my leg? And, you know, the police, adding police, I just see that as like adding medication without actually fi fixing the problem. And we've got to do, we've got to do this kind of thing. Adding police, you know, building more prisons, it might briefly relieve certain symptoms of our problems. But until there is some national repentance, until we get back to biblical punishment for crimes, things will not get better. And just look at all the places, too, where Democrats don't have any opposition. I mean, just look at how bad these places are. And so the solution, and I'm only going to go to a couple examples. Let's turn over to Judges chapter 20. The, and the only reason I'm only going to go to a few solutions on this is because I'm probably going to be preaching a message Sunday where I'm going to be kind of addressing some of the same thing and using a lot of these passages, and so I don't want to preach them twice. But in Judges 20, verse 11, it says, So all the men of Israel, and this is after another horrible story. It says, So all the men of Israel were gathered together against the city, knit together as one man, and the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that is done among you? And this is after a horrible sin takes place that was like a wake-up call to Israel, where it was like finally like, Wait a minute. This kind of thing shouldn't be happening. Kind of like the story in the Bible, too, where the king uh, was out walking the one day, and the woman cried out to him, about how they, her and another mother, they both had young children and they were hungry. And so they made an agreement. We'll eat your son today and tomorrow we'll eat my son. And so we did. We ate my son and now she's hiding her son and won't let me eat it. And that king, when he heard that, what he, he ran his clothes. I mean, he was like, how bad are things in our nation where women are eating their own children and a mother is going to come to me and confess to eating her child and want me as a king to order this other woman to kill her son so they can eat him. That's how bad things got in Israel. And folks, look at how bad things are in our country. I get it. You know, we are, we're blessed to live out here in rural country, and we're not seeing the public nudity. We're not seeing the drug camps and you know all, all the homelessness and all that kind of stuff. I mean, every once in a while we might get a, a glimpse of something weird and crazy. And it's, at least it's shocking in this area. When it happens, but you know what? It's just called Tuesday in most cities, especially in the warmer climate areas. That's one of the good things about living in a place where there's tough winters. It keeps those people away. And, and every time I go down to those warmer climates, I'm always just like, I'm, I'm it makes me a little bit thankful for winter because it, it, it takes care of those people. But notice, let's keep reading. So it says in verse 13, now, therefore, deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death. Now, why? What does that accomplish? It says, and put evil away from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. You know what they were doing? They were finally like, you know what? Maybe we ought to start taking some of this law of God serious. And you know what? If people are going to do that kind of sin, let's put them to death so we can put evil away from among us. That's what God called for. In Deuteronomy 22, 21, 
And people, they get squeamish when they see a lot of these passages. We're gonna, and we're going to look at more on Sunday. It says, Then shall they bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she died. This is a woman who a uh, man married and found out she was not a virgin. Found out that she had played the harlot. It says, Because she hath wrought folly in Israel and to play the whore in her father's house, so shalt thou put evil away from among you. It says, You got immorality going on like that among, amongst your people? You know what you do? He said, you put them to death. Ah, oh, that's so mean. You've got to put evil away from among you. You don't, if you don't deal with the cause, it's going to spread. It's going to get worse. And y'all are going to hate the symptoms. You're all, it's going to be terrible. Verse uh, 22, if the man be found lying with a woman, married to an husband, then they, then they shall both of them die. Both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put evil from Israel. That's what you've got to do. You've got to learn to put evil away. But you know what we're trying to do today? We're trying to figure out how to handle the evil. And so what do we do today? You know, we just have, we have welfare programs to take care of all the women that are playing the whore so they can be provided for, you know, with all their illegitimate kids that they have. And, you know, instead of, and I'm telling you, you know, if, if we're not going to put people to death for, you know, for these type of things, then, you know, I would at least settle for allowing, you know, if, if you have a child that has to go into the welfare system because you got some woman pregnant, you become a slave. You know, I think we ought to have work camps for those people. Why in the world should taxpayers support your kids? Why should they do that? I say we make these people slaves. And, you know, go, no, don't have racial slavery, but have slavery for just deadbeat dads. And, you know, I'll bet if we did that kind of thing, I'll bet, I'll bet there'd be less unwed mothers out there. I'll bet more guys would start being careful. I, I, you, know what I, you know what it would do? It would put evil away from among us. We, would, we need to actually create deterrence from these things. But, no, we reward. We're rewarding people with this stuff. You start having more kids, you know, you get the child tax credits. You know, you get, you, you, you know, you apply for, or you uh, qualify for the link and all these other things. We just, we give them all these incentives and rewards. And that's not how things are supposed to be. We don't reward sin. One thing we're not going to do in this church, you know, we're not going to have baby showers for, you know, people who have babies out of wedlock. Oh, it's not the baby's fault. Well, and guess what? Showers aren't for the babies either. Or for the mom. Hey, no, no, I think we're having one Sunday. You think Alice cares about that? She, it's, she she's not going to care about that. You know, it's it's for the mom. That's why we do these things. And so, just under understand, this is what we're seeing go on in Israel during this time. Is we're seeing just all these terrible things. We're seeing civil war. We're seeing just terrible sins taking place because Israel had forgotten God. Israel was not keeping the commandments of God and evil is growing. Evil is spreading and the, only, and the solution is getting right. The solution is repentance. But all they kept doing is just saying, Lord, give us relief from this suffering. But, and, and God would be merciful and give them something. God would give them that relief. God would send a deliverer. God would give them an up, another opportunity to do right, but they weren't taking advantage of it. And so while in these stories, while we're seeing a lot of victories, thanks only to God's mercies in, in the book of Judges, 
we aren't seeing any real repentance. We've not seen any real good example of repentance yet. We've seen people calling on the Lord, wanting deliverance from all their problems. But we don't see any real turning back to God. And the signs and the symptoms of these problems were all over, but there was definitely no desire to get to the root of the problem. They only wanted relief from the symptoms. And that's where we are in our country today. And so I do. I get frustrated when I listen to politicians talking about all these terrible symptoms of horrible problems and their solution is let's take another pain pill. Let's up the dosage of the pain pill. Let's build another prison. Let's add more police. Let's do more public school programs and things. And they're doing nothing to actually strengthen families. They're doing nothing to actually punish evildoers. I mean, the drug, the drug problem alone. Yes, I mean, the numbers have gone down in some places with crime and that because pot's legal now. But folks, has our country gotten better since we legalized pot? Absolutely not. It has not gotten better. People are doing worse. People are more messed up mentally. People are more messed up financially. More people are on it. It hasn't done one good thing for this country. And so this chapter, it was, this is just kind of a reminder of what was going on. And so next week, when we get in the story of Samson, we're going to see Israel again greatly suffering as a result of their sins. And we're going to see God be merciful again. But we all know how it ends with Israel. Eventually, God's just like, I'm done. Babylonians came and took care of business. And, and so, anyway, with that, let's go ahead and dismiss the word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word and the lessons we can learn from it. I pray you'll help us to just take the principles we saw tonight. Help us, Lord, whenever we're facing difficulties, when we find ourselves just suffering pain uh, in different areas. I pray, Lord, you'll help us to uh, seek out the truth of what's actually causing these problems and we'll deal with the actual cause and stop just uh, looking for something to treat the symptoms. And I pray, Lord, you'll help us to, uh, in our country, Lord, to actually have some real repentance in these things and get back to doing things according to your word. In your name we pray. Amen.